You guys ready to talk about some communists? Always. Always ready to talk about communists. I love talking about communists, even in my sleep. I don't buy that argument like humanity needs to make their own decisions. I mean, Lex Luthor is essentially a superhuman because he has that weird brain. I mean, his brain is just works at another capacity. Yeah, he can play like three games of chess yeah. once. Like, he's totally smart. Who can do that? That's crazy. That's completely unrealistic. No one can do that. Reed Richards can. No, you're right. I hate both of you. Tell me something you did like about this book. Because <laughs> we got some time to kill. I, I really loved the Green Lantern Marine Corps. I thought that was really awesome. Hal Jordan as like a really, really deranged John McCain mm. <laughs> with Green Lantern <laughs> too powers. Soon, too soon. <laughs> it was so awesome. That was a really nice touch. Yeah, it is best. Mark Millar is really good at, he just distorts it, brings this darkness to it. Probably the one thing I cannot let go was why was Batman Russian? Right. <laughs> when everyone else was American, it, it breaks the rules. He's technically not Bruce Wayne. They never call him Bruce Wayne. He's just some kid who got his parents killed. Does he have a name? He's just basically no. Batman. He's living in the Russian sewers like a Ninja Turtle, basically, right? I don't even know where to get started. Hey, let's make him look Russian. Put yeah. a Russian hat. on. It's not a practical man. Very silly. <laughs> What up? What's more American than apple pie and baseball? Skyrocketing health insurance costs and the inability for wages to keep up with inflation, spreading coronavirus, and vaccine denial are also pretty American. Fair. But I was thinking up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. I got it. The Ku Klux Klan, also very American. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do this all on my own. Dude, I am talking about Superman. So was I, and the way Superman smashes them. See episode two of Quarantine Comics. Dude, that sounds like some dangerous socialist propaganda that you're peddling. What can I say? I like me some borny borscht. AOCCP? Yes, we can. <laughs> All right. So what if I told you there was an Elseworld tale that imagines what might have happened if kal landed, not in Smallville, Kansas, but communist Russia? I'd say uh, sign me up, comrade. I'm Ryan Joe. And I'm Roman Segel. And we're two dudes with lifetime subscriptions to the Daily Planet who may or may not have shorted LexCorp on Robin Hood. Lost a lot of money doing that, too. Luther! This week, we are continuing our look at subversive superhero stories and talking about Superman Red Sun, the 2003 miniseries that reimagined the Man of Steel had he been raised in Mother Russia. Written by Mark Millar with artist team of Dave Johnson, Andrew Robinson, Walden Wong, Killian Plunkett, and Colors Paul Mounts, Red Sun has the last son of Krypton's rocket ship landing on a Ukrainian collective farm. The book starts decades later in 1953 at the beginning of the Cold War, with the Soviets revealing Superman to the world as the champion of the common worker who fights a never-ending battle for Stalin, socialism, and the international expansion of the Warsaw Pact. The book's premise actually was imagined during writer Mark Millar's childhood. Millar is a Scottish comic superstar known for later creating many popular comics that were eventually adapted to film like Wanted, Kingsman, Kick-Ass, and even Captain America Civil War. And even Red Sun was released as a DC animated feature in 2020 because nothing was going on that year, so we had time to watch it. (laughs) Red Sun's alternate reality also features lots of familiar faces from Lois Lane to Bruce Wayne, from John F. Kennedy to Joseph Stalin, from Pyotr Roslov to Jimmy Olsen, CIA op. And as you can imagine, with a figure as powerful as Superman now at the center of the Cold War, a very different world history unfolds. And speaking of a whole new world, joining us again is my longtime friend and comrade from another com dad, Josh. Welcome back to Quarantine Comics, Josh. Hey, thanks, gents. Uh, pleasure to be back. Appreciate it. 
So, Josh, we go way back to our more radical days in the liberal bastion known as Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We've since grown up and become respectable members of society, living in the backwater neoconservative metropolises of Chicago and New York. But like me, you've always been a fan of this book, Superman Red Sun. So before we get into the book itself, I, in fact, I think I found out about this book from you when I was visiting you in Ohio. What drew you to the book so long ago and what made you want to dig into it? Well, I guess truth be told, I'm not really a Superman fan per se, but I am drawn into alternate universe stories, such as Marvel's What If series, Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, other Elseworld tales. But if I'm honest, the thought of Superman being recast as a pinko was just uh, too good to pass up. (laughs) What about you, Ryan? You actually hadn't read this like Josh and me. What were your thoughts on the book before you actually read it? Before I read it, I just knew of it. I knew that it had a pretty strong place within the comics community, mostly because I kept seeing action figures pop up of like Red Sun Batman and Red Sun Superman and Red Sun Wonder Woman. So I knew that there was a pretty decent following. I like Mark Millar. And the the truth be told, the stuff of Mark Millar that I really like and the stuff of his that I don't like, I really don't like. So I was always curious about Red Sun, but it was just one of those books that I knew existed but never had the opportunity to pick up until you told me to, Raman. It's funny. It's actually, uh, I don't really keep action figures up anymore, but it is absolutely one of the figures I would like to have up on my bookshelf now. Although I I, I think the Batman design was just like, hey, let's make him look Russian. Put yeah. a Russian hat. On. It's not a practical man. Very silly. <laughs> I don't even know where to get started. I guess I'll say the, the one thing I, I really dug is how it dove into history. It, or it was a very what if had Superman existed in America during the Cold War, the the events would have played out very differently. But, I mean, it just tips the balance of power. And that's honestly the most interesting thing for me about this book, how, how it decided to play with history and, and take us into the future. I yeah, the, rein, the reinvention of history was, was probably the most interesting thing for me about this book. Okay, it's, it's probably the only interesting thing for me about this book, to be honest. I, I said that it Mark only Millar, took six minutes. It only took six minutes. <laughs> with Mark Millar, I tend to run hot or cold with him. I really like what he did with The Ultimates, for instance. I like Kick-Ass. I really didn't like Wanted. And this falls in the I really didn't like it category. And I feel it was a big missed opportunity. I like the Elseworlds stuff that DC does because it's usually a really cool opportunity to recast familiar archetypes into weird scenarios and to see how those personalities hold up like for example uh batman bloodstorm i've mentioned this before it's stupid it's batman gets bit by dracula becomes a a vampire but he spends the whole series wrestling with oh i can't eat people like wrestling with his moral code (laughs) it's silly but it's this consistent examination of batman's code throughout the book i'm thinking army hammer would be a good batman for batman bloodstorm (laughs) <laughs> I like how you just pivoted completely away from what the episode's about. Josh, why is Ryan wrong? Why is Ryan wrong in his soul of souls? I don't think you're totally wrong. I, I loved this book when it first came out. I hadn't read it probably since maybe 2010. And I picked up a copy of it maybe five, six years ago. But this is the first time I've read it since then. And I have a love-hate relationship with it now. Like, There's a lot I love about it. Like, The concept is totally bulletproof. There's nothing cooler than recasting Superman as a hardcore communist. I think that's really inspired. But yeah, like that aside, there's some cool like history 
shout outs there. I like JFK not having been assassinated, Nixon being in power a lot longer. There's a little like Easter eggs that he threw in there that I thought uh, were really cool. But but overall, it was it was a missed opportunity uh, because when you really boil it down, it wasn't like the the big communism versus capitalism fight that that could have been. It really propped up Superman versus Lex Luthor and bypassed any actual, I don't know, discussion over two opposing worldviews. Sort of played lip service to it. And maybe it was lip service, but the thing I enjoyed was something in like regular comic books is why isn't Superman doing more to end hunger, famine, war, etc. He doesn't do it short of Superman 4, Quest for Peace with the nuclear bombs. Like Superman stays out of man's affairs. And he has a very free market, I'll jump in and save a kitten when I can approach, and I'll stop the asteroid if I need to approach. But when with communist ideals, state control, and he is the state, he ends every problem in the world. It's The problem is people don't have free will. And they keep talking about America in this book as it's an anarchy state, and maybe it is. They talk about it that way. They don't really show it that way. But- they claim that, well, everything's amazing. Life expectancy is up. No one's hungry. When the Warsaw Pact surrounds the world except for America and Chile. And I don't... I, <laughs> yeah, I love I, that. Why, why Chile? <laughs> you need one country. Come on. What other country? Well, so I, I see I, your point. I see, I see your point. And there's an extent... This came out in 2003, right? Up to that point, it was rare for Superman to address actual human... Global needs, right? I think Alex Ross and Paul Dini did a, a one shot called Superman Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth, right. To, yeah. right. And then I think Grant Morrison in his JLA run, he addressed why aren't the JLA actually trying to solve world hunger when that was part of his first plot lines. And so I think at the time, this concept was novel. Superman can do anything. Why isn't he solving more of the world's problems? Why is he only like saving like a kid in front of a train? I, I feel now people have scrutinized that not just in superman but like for instance authority hbo yeah on the authority the avengers i mean mark millar's ultimates run and then the watchman series on hbo where they're talking about how dr manhattan could have done really more than what he actually did so there is maybe the curse of this having come 17 years ago and feeling a little bit dated and i actually do think it feels a little bit dated especially in the post-trump american landscape so had we, literally, had we read this last year, you might have been more forgiving of it? No, I think if I'd read it like 17 years ago, I would have been more forgiving of it. Well, because, I mean, let's put the book in context. 17 years ago, post 9-11, we just invaded Iraq, war on terror in full swing. We're in the George W. Bush era when this book comes out. And that's around the same time The Ultimates came out. And The Ultimates, Mark Miller's version of the modernization of the Avengers, and George W. Bush is actually in Ultimates number one, and then the last page with Captain America, right? Like... It is a, we're going to kick ass and take names in the real world, because that's what people with these kind of powers would do. And again, the the thing that was, one, I thought the plot was fun. Uh, Lots of nods and winks throughout, but more importantly, uh, it literally is, what if Superman did take absolute power and did become the babysitter nanny state for the world? But there's a moment with him and Wonder Woman when they're saving a nuclear sub, and he's like, dude, people have stopped wearing seatbelts. Like they just assume we're gonna we're gonna take care of everything. And it almost makes the Lex Luthor argument. And that was the other thing I just really enjoyed about it. It was Lex was still a sociopath, 
but he might have been right. There are certainly aspects of of that that I like. I just feel like it didn't. The book didn't fully explore all of them. Actually, okay. So here's where I, I think both Josh and I said it was a missed opportunity. Where I feel the biggest opportunity was missed was really looking into the Superman persona, uh, which he's actually not a major character in the first and second chapters for the first two thirds. It's only in the last third when he's taken over the world that you actually start to start to see more of him, and. One thing that I really was disappointed with is that the Superman persona born in Russia is pretty much the same persona born in America. It's like the exact same guy. Same one. Yeah, and I would have loved... He has the same idea. I could see like the dialogue. I could see like putting it into a very straightforward Superman story about how his ideals, how he wants to look out for everybody, he doesn't want to take a life, all of that stuff. It's the stuff of Superman that I'm familiar with, and it's just transplanted into this... Russian landscape. And I would have loved to see Mark Millar like take that golly gee whiz patriotism and merge it with some of the Soviet ideals at that time and see what weird thing comes out of it. Did you ever see the movie Jojo Rabbit? I haven't seen that yet. No, no, I've not seen it. Okay. First, it was the best movie of the before times. I think it came out in 2019. And it's a little boy in the Hitler youth. And from the little boy's point of view and coming to terms with everything. So that you, you mentioned that gosh, golly gee whiz approach. That's what this kid in this movie has. As he, I mean, they, it's a Taika Waititi film, so it's hilarious and touching. But it's a kid effectively in the Boy Scouts, but the Boy Scouts are the Hitler youth. <laughs> Twist. <laughs> and it, it's really a beautiful movie. But I, I, I guess that's probably what you were looking for versus how would Superman be really different versus this all-powerful distant alien if anything he was more distant more alien less human a lot of people say batman isn't really bruce wayne bruce wayne is really batman but superman is really clark kent right but in this book he really is superman he's kal-el they don't even give him a name that was i don't know about a plot hole or or what but it had me scratching my head at the end so when he takes a backseat to humanity's future and it goes to its end where the sun turns into a red giant and it turns out all along that I guess Earth is Krypton, and he gets sent back in time. Lex's whole argument for why he hates Superman and why Superman should just get his nose out of human business is that he's an alien. But in reality, he's just from our future. He's not actually an alien. So that had me scratching my head at the end. I, I, I was dissatisfied with that little Easter egg at the end. Josh, it's like we're not even friends anymore. That was my favorite part of the book. You go in there it was a cool little, it was a cool moment, like like the Charlton Heston sees the Statue of Liberty moment. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. Like, oh, okay, interesting. I, but the other thing is that even before that, you're right, Lex Luthor writes a note to Superman, Superman starts crying. He's like, oh, I'm an asshole. Really? That's, was, it's was Lex's a- fault because Lex teamed up with Brainiac and he's like, yeah. put the whole world in a bottle. But but that was, that was 100% Lex that did that. And it's going to have that effect on Superman. I mean, he's been through so much. I mean, like he's really lacked so much introspection that he hasn't at that point considered all of this. I mean, he must have. There's no, unless he's a complete imbecile, he yeah. must have actually thought about that at some point. That's why it felt so hollow. I mean, it was a cool little sentence, but me thinking that that <laughs> would completely psychologically disarm Superman. I mean, 
eh, not really. And plus, you have this whole weird epiphany. Oh, people need to take care of themselves. People need to make their own decisions. Yeah, that's Lex Luthor making everyone's decision. They basically replaced Superman no, with Lex no, Luthor. No, but he's saying humanity needs to make its... And Josh, I hear you that he was a human all along, but from the far future, literally hundreds or thousands of generations in the future. So I would argue far enough removed that even his physiology was different because the sun was red. But he's practically an alien still um minus he's, still, he's just born and raised amongst humans how is he not human i mean how does he not have humanity if he isn't if he doesn't have human no, emotions? okay he has, he, he has, humanity 10 million years from now is not going to be the same as a humanity that uh exists effectively in the alien that's what you're saying yeah. effectively alien well he has he still has human emotions though I mean, how can you say so – every time people say oh, you know, this is a Kingdom Come thing also, right? But in Kingdom Come, at least he was completely distant at that point. And actually, he, he was exiled. In Red Sun, he's actually still a part of humanity, albeit as a ruler. I don't buy that argument like humanity needs to make their own decisions. I mean, Lex Luthor is essentially a superhuman because he has that weird brain. I mean, his brain is just works at another capacity. Yeah, he can play like three games of chess yeah. once. Yeah. Like- He's totally smart. Who can do that? That's crazy. That's completely unrealistic. No one can do that. Reed Richards can. No, you're right. But his brain is plastic. No, I I hate both of them. Tell me something you did like about this book, because <laughs> we got some time, Mikhail. I, I really loved the Green Lantern Marine Corps. I thought that was really awesome. Hal Jordan as like a really, really deranged John McCain mm. <laughs> with Green Lantern <laughs> too powers. Soon, too soon. <laughs> it was so awesome. That was that was a really nice touch. Like was the rest of the Space Marines like couldn't get it together. It was only how, right? Think happy yeah. thoughts. <laughs> that, yeah, I, that was... I, I, yeah, that was great. I, yeah, that was actually a cool little aside. Like just a cool reimagining of what Green Lantern could be. Especially when you see what the guy's mentality is actually like where he constructs this mental prison where he's like killing everybody who who tortured him in the past. That that was actually the best of cuz Millar at his really best. Dark. Yeah. He's at his best. Like Mark Millar is really good at what he's he's really good like and we see this in the Ultimates. He takes like some fundamental the, the core of who Captain America is, who Iron Man is, and then he just distorts it, brings this darkness to it that can be shocking. And I feel he did that with Green Lantern in a way he honestly didn't, I think, with Superman, which is, again, that's the missed opportunity because Superman is who the book is about. I would have actually liked you, to have seen a book on Red Sun Green Lantern versus Red Sun's version of Superman. Where Green Lantern is the primary nemesis rather than Lex Luthor. Well, not, not as a nemesis, but i just like to see what this guy is like. What, is, what did he go through? He seems to have more of a personality, more real issues, more real conflicts. And I, I would have liked I, to I have enjoy, seen that manifest. I, that's a fair point. I enjoyed the setup of uh, Hal Jordan, the POW angle of it. Honestly, the other side superheroes i thought were very weak portrayals that's uh, the batman thing like you saw the batman thing getting set up when pete ross pilter roslov says oh i killed this guy and he was a kid and he was really whatever he was upset that's probably the one thing i cannot let go why was batman russian right when lois lay everyone else was american it's 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 a little it, it breaks the rules he's technically not bruce wayne they never call him bruce wayne he's just some kid who got his parents killed what is he? What is? Does he have a name? He's just basically no. Batman. He's living in the Russian sewers like a Ninja Turtle, basically, right? I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> all I say is the setup of Batman was interesting. This anarchist, but it wasn't that great. And Wonder Woman was toothless in this book, unlike in Kingdom Come. And again, they could have done more with it. But to your earlier point, Ryan, this was really meant to be a Lex versus Superman battle. 
Yeah. Well, okay. Specific, just thinking about what you guys said about Batman and Wonder Woman, specific problems with Batman is actually like the same problem that a lot of writers have with Batman, which is that they always try to make him more powerful than like the JLA or Superman, like for no reason. Like there's no way, right? But there's always this thought that Batman, he's the one human who could defeat Superman. Really? How? Tell me how. Oh, he's, got the, oh he's got the kryptonite ring. Okay. Like, and he'll play dirty. He'll play dirty. Superman won't. Yeah, it is interesting that they didn't bring kryptonite into this. Maybe you guys are better schooled in Superman lore, but the way Batman got over uh, Superman in this one is red sun lighting. Yeah, I was actually really surprised that Lex Luthor didn't do that, right? Like, oh, we went to a site, we smuggled something out from the crash site or stole it from a museum. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then with Wonder Woman, why specifically do they have the falling out? Like, was he just mean to her after she rescued him? Like, there's like a line of dialogue which indicates that he doesn't give a shit about her and he's just moving on to like, wants to kill Piotr. I guess. I don't know. There, there's there's, there's a whole relationship. Like a, like a comrade, but not as a why does she? Why does she go against him? Like when she breaks the lasso, her hair turns white. She clearly doesn't lose her powers because she's back just with white hair. Like, what was the effect on Wonder Woman? Why do they have the falling out? Again, these are like details that the book's not about it, but it's a big piece of something missing, right? Where you're like, huh, it, for any reason why you didn't fill that in for us? I just read that as kind of like a jilted lover. Zone. She was in the she was in the friend zone, right? <laughs> Lois Lane was the one who delivered the, the message to, to Wonder Woman to get her on Lex Luthor's side. So and she doesn't get Superman, so she goes on a war path. I mean, she's like a female incel. maybe (laughs) that's as good a theory as any (laughs) i to talk about like the the fast forward into the future i genuinely enjoyed lex luther becoming this cult of personality and all of the the family of l i mean it's very much a superman v batman martha moment but it was like the l's like superman is descendant of the house of l which is the house of luther i I really enjoyed that Easter egg. And and you sounds like you did it, Josh. Well, I thought it was okay. I, I just, it didn't, I don't know. I had a bigger problem with, with just Superman just taking a backseat to the rest of the future. I mean, what did he do? I mean, it turns he made out he's immortal. He made, but he made his choice. He made his choice. I mean, there's literally a moment where they show him in Clark Kent gear. Yeah, like, the they, thought he, they thought he died. And he's like, what? I'm going to take a backseat. He learned his lessons. I'm going to take a backseat to humanity instead of trying to control them and see what happens. Did he just like cruise the universe for the next hundred millennia or you just settle down and on a Ukrainian farm? Like <laughs> that's, he just sat back and did nothing for the next forever. Well, because like he saw what happened when he did, when he did take over, people stopped wearing their seatbelts. He brought the world to the brink. Yeah. I mean, again, that's familiar territory, right? Having read Kingdom Come, which again, it's like a similar theme, but much more thoroughly explored. Sorry, Roman. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. <laughs> Did you? We got up on a couple of tangents, but a couple of books. I don't know if you guys read, and Ryan could be worth reading. J. Michael Straczynski did his like take on the Ultimates, but with the Squadron Supreme called uh, Supreme Power. Did you guys read that? I because, have not read that. No. So, so the Squadron Supreme is basically Marvel's ripoff version of the Justice League. And they're from an alternate universe, and they've got basically the Superman-type character, the Batman-type character, the Wonder Woman-type character. And so as Millar and Bendis were doing the ultimate treatment, they gave Straczynski a big check to do that with Squadron Supreme. And so it's very much the Ultimates version of the Justice League. 
which you could say happens in the authority as well. But it's a pretty interesting take on the paramilitary Green Lantern character, the almost like a precursor to the flag guy from The Boys. So I'd recommend checking it out. I mean, they're a little bit more fleshed out. And I, and I feel like I guess writers can get away with more when they're proxies for the characters, but not the actual characters. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, question, what do you think about the superheroes in the real world stuff? Because it's become, I, I think with the, the popularity of Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then Watchmen coming to HBO, and then of course the boys, the whole concept of superheroes redefining the geopolitical landscape, superheroes in the real world is starting to become a cliche. And I feel like creatively, the industry needs to move on or figure out another way, something else to explore. No, I, I don't disagree. It was a trend for a while. And when the trend was happening in the early 2000s, it was good. The problem is Hollywood has caught up and said, oh, these are because mm. the, the, the masses have not read those books. They've not read The Ultimates. They've not read Red Sun. They've, they've not read Supreme Power or DC's Tangent Universe. And so- to that end, I already read the trend in the comics in the early 2000s, and Hollywood's picking up on it now. That's all I'd say. I mean, X-Men First Class does it. The Cuban Missile Crisis was caused right. by the mutants, right? The assassination plot of Kennedy and Nixon that happens in Days of Future Past. So I guess Hollywood's catching up to it. If I read a new comic book, Ryan, that came out today about it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, this is that's so 2003. But in 2003, I loved it. So what's being written now? That's Hollywood's going to be doing 10 years from now. That's why you got to listen to Quarantine Comics every week, Josh. <laughs> Not. We read some old ass shit. <laughs> I mean, it feels like Hollywood. Actually, this is sample size of one because I'm just thinking about Wonder Woman 84. Josh, did you see that? I did not. Very, it's, it's, it's campy. Well, you want to listen to one hour of us shitting on it. <laughs> it's campy. And I wonder if that's a reaction to especially like the uber serious Zack Snyder take on the DC universe, just going back to like the fun poppy G whiz. Well, that's character. what Shazam and Aquaman that, were. They were like, let's yeah, just be oh, back yeah. crazy and have fun with it. Actually, yeah, you're right. That's another great example. It's Shazam and, and Aquaman also going back to that much more innocent time. Especially now, we're all trying to recover from Trump. We're trying to recover from coronavirus. Like, do we really want to see superheroes brought down in the in by in the muck yeah in the modern world yeah or do we want to see something that's like pure escapism i don't know i, I definitely think that the storytelling needs to evolve in the comic arena and the literary arena because i don't know hollywood's gonna run out of shit soon well but i think and to be fair the medium of comics has gotten far away from superheroes and probably every other episode of ours doesn't talk about superheroes but i would challenge us to, to look at this book through the context in which it was written josh you and i picked it up when it came out, when this style of storytelling about superheroes and their impact on society yeah, wasn't it was being told. It was novel. Yeah, it, it was new. It's almost unfair. Look, I only saw The Goonies in my college years, and I hated it, but I didn't see it in the context of watching it as a kid. So that's my argument. If you read this through the lens of 2020, you can roll your eyes at it because you've already watched The Boys and Watchmen. Yeah, I actually had a really hard time separating Homelander from communist Superman while yeah. reading this. Like uh, yeah. the imagery, it was just, it's just, it's right there in your face. Well, well we haven't again, seen Superman drink milk yet, have we? <laughs> <laughs> well, but like Millar, to his credit, as a working professional, I mean, you probably have read, he's, I think he sold the rights to all of his non-Marvel DC stuff to Netflix for some 
tens of millions of dollars. I think it might be 50 million. Good for him. If you put, if you just Google on your library's website, Mark Millar and get all the random shit you've never heard of, he's basically bringing screenplays to life. Things like Kick-Ass and Wanted. There's like 30 other things like that from the Millarverse. Mm-hmm. And he effectively is putting screenplays into graphic novels as MVPs. And good for him, I guess. He has, I can't remember what the name of it is, but he has one whole graphic novel about this like super spy ninja assassin who's the world's ultimate supervillain in a real world setting, right? It's basically if Batman was bad. Uh, and I guess that's the one thing I will say I appreciate about him. He makes these attempts to whether he's playing with DC and Marvel's toys or his own inventions, which are based on DC and Marvel's toys, he's telling these really tight, sit down in half an hour, have a good read. It was like watching a movie in half an hour. And that's, I don't know, I I feel like every time I read a Mark Millar graphic novel, Red Sun is no exception, The Ultimates is no exception, his Marvel and DC stuff is no exception. I feel like I got a quick a quick Hollywood movie. Without- I mean, he does, he, he swings for the fences. I do appreciate that. And sometimes he'll, he'll take out your window or something. I, I, Grant Morrison, Mark Millar, Warren Ellis. I take like lump, put all these guys together and guys and writers who take big risks. Garth Ennis. Yeah. Garth Ennis, yeah. And Grant Morrison. They, 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 they take huge risks. They don't always pay off. Sometimes you read it and it's, you're like, Jesus, it's a disaster. I guess for me, I disliked Wanted for a very different reason than I disliked Red Sun. And for me, Red Sun was like, Maybe it was just Mark Millar not being ambitious enough in a way. It felt almost like this thing wasn't full. Was he? It was a little it was bit a one and done. It was a one and done. Get it out. Yeah. And I feel like a writer like Millar, if he sat down and really like did some hard ass thinking about who Superman would have been if he were like raised as a farm hand in Ukraine and suddenly thrust on this world stage with the Russian propaganda machine, with Stalin, who would he actually be? Would he? He has this whole cold, I won't kill. That's very similar to Superman in America. In fact, that's the exact same as Superman in America. To what extent is that ever stressed when he's working for Stalin? How does he reconcile that? What's like brainwashing, right? Does the Soviet apparatus try to put on him? Is he well, smart and Superman, enough to see through and, and, Superman, and Superman, effectively, because he doesn't want to kill people, death penalty, he takes the next step and he brainwashes them. He puts a machine on their head. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious what he thinks about that too. It's like it's like that's not pretty bad, also, man. I mean, but I mean, he's all about it. I mean, they're called <laughs> Superman robots. <laughs> well, what, what I love is in the Fortress of Solitude in Siberia, he dresses everyone up as Batman. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I yeah, I guess, he's oh. got he's got he's definitely got a sadistic streak that's never fully explored. And actually, <laughs> Josh, you mentioned you he reminded you of Homelander. You bring a little bit of that Homelander spice to this version of Superman, and you'd have something really interesting yeah you, you really need to see those conflicts that's probably my primary problem i have with it is it's it's too short like it's only three issues it, there's no time to really dig into all those big questions if it had been 10 issues i think it would have been uh, better served material did you ever read another book I'm, I'm almost like making a list of future stuff i want us to read josh jla the nail well so josh when you said it was like 10 what if they did it with 10 issues what if they spent a little more it's another elseworlds ter- tale by alan davis where the premise is what if Jonathan and Martha Kent, what if their truck had gotten a nail in it and they had not been in the field, but they, so they basically had a broken down truck and they weren't in the field. And so Superman was never picked up by them. And it basically is a world without Superman and with the Justice League, with Batman, with Wonder Woman, with Plastic Man. So and, are just living in the field to this day? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Uh, I might bring you back to Quarantine Comics to read it, but they flesh it out a little bit more over five or six issues. Came out in the okay. same time time window, but it's basically a world without Superman. The modern age of superheroes 
comes and it's pretty much fully formed. It looks really similar to the one we know, but Superman's influence is not in there. And so the world is just a little different. And so I guess to your comment of you wanted a little more, what what more would you have wanted, Josh? Ryan fleshed that out, but what, what I, I more? I would have wanted more of the early years. So him being raised on the farm, him coming up in Soviet Russia as like a teenager, discovering his powers, taking all of those like quintessential Superman backstory and actually seeing it through the lens of communism. Like that's what I wanted to sign up for when picking this up. I'm sure at the 30th and, anniversary of Red Sun, they will do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it fired right past all that and got into like Brainiac shrinking Stalingrad and Lex Luthor becoming president. Like it missed out on a lot. But that being said, I, I will continue to reread Red Sun every now and again. It's an enjoyable read. It's missing a bunch, but at the end of the day, you know, I still like it. If Mark Millar, and I'm being serious, because there, there will always be a cash grab, right? If And they're going to want to make more comics. They're going to want to sell more shit. And they did that with Kingdom Come, right? After Kingdom Come, DC paid Mark Wade a shitload of money to make the kingdom. All the stuff that happened after Kingdom Come. What if they did that? Would you buy Red Sun, the prequel? No, but I'd get it from my local uh, communist library. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> Quick question. Did, did anyone see the Red Sun animated movie? I refuse to. I did not. Uh, I just learned maybe a week ago that that was a thing. Why do you so. refuse to, Roman? I I mean, maybe you're right. I, I, I like it as it is. I'm not as obnoxious as, say, Alan Moore is about it. Actually, if anything, I'm being more obnoxious. He has every right to not want to see his creations like perverted in someone else's vision. I don't think everything needs to be made into another thing. I, I guess in the golden age of television or in the streaming wars we're in, where everyone's buying up intellectual property. And look, comic books are, to me, I've told numerous screenwriter friends this for 20 years, pair with an artist, take your shitty screenplay and turn it into a graphic novel. And run some Facebook ads against it, right? Like, I think graphic novels are a great MVP to get any story down on paper. And because it's... it's so you're going to watch the Invincible show on, I, on Prime? I'm not sure. I'm genuinely... I mean, part of, part of the other issue, Josh, is I... You get it with kids. There's less time. There's less hours in the yeah, day absolutely. to do this stuff. I don't have a commute anymore to watch it. I, I think when all of this shit began, and I'm talking like Spider-Man and X-Men movies before the MCU... I watched everything. If it came out as a TV show, I watched everything. But now, I mean, I love The Runaways, the comic book book by Brian Michael Vaughn. Did I watch the Hulu series? No. I really like Cloak and Dagger. Did I watch the Hulu series? No. Uh, I haven't caught up on half of the Netflix Marvel shows anymore. I am genuinely intrigued by Invincible. But what, Josh? I got such a ride out of reading all the comics. I finished Walking Dead, the comics, but I haven't finished the show. Oh, you finished the comics, not the show. That's a commitment, man. Well, it's I enjoyed them. Every once a year, I bought a, a hardcover graphic novel, and I got a great two to three hours. I cried at the finale when I remember reading it on my couch. And uh, to that, back to the original point, like, good for you for making a Red Sun movie. You're going to make it more accessible for the masses. More people probably are now familiar with Red Sun as a concept and a story than were from the comics. So I guess that's a good thing. But I got mine when I read it, and I've read it three times over the years. And for me, it's easy to squeeze in a comic before I go to bed or on the couch while my daughter's watching her cartoons. Maybe when I'm older and I have a lot more time, I'll watch it. But I have no desire to watch it right now. And how do you guys feel about that? Like, that's that's a rant about watching all these adaptations. 
I don't have time. And for some reason, every time I turn on the TV, it's streaming Bridgerton. My, my wife's been watching and rewatching Bridgerton over and over again. So that's basically all I watch on streaming and everything else. I don't, yeah, so no time. I say no time, but I've watched The Office maybe five times through in the past year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wrapping up an epic West Wing rewatch. So, yeah. So, Roman, speaking of squeezing in another comic, what are you reading next week? Next week, we're going to continue our subversive superhero theme and actually read a comic that's still coming out right now. We're going to read DC's Far Sector, which I only know about from press coverage that it's been getting. It's in a sector far, far away. There's a black green lantern dealing with some racism shit. So racism in space with green lantern. Well, I'm glad that that is you for once suggesting an incomplete book and not just me. Josh? Thanks for coming back and teaming up with Ryan against me to shit on something that I like. Which we did actually also with Black Science. A little bit. Josh came on last time and it was me and Tim shitting on Black Science against you. Well, I defended it or tried to defend it. But I think last time I was like, yeah, you guys are right. It wasn't as good as it could be, but I stand by it. You guys are wrong. You stand by Red Sun? I stand by Red Sun. All right. You're team Red Sun Superman and Josh and I are team Humanity and LexCorp. Ah, I didn't know we'd go that far. The capitalist Americans. <laughs> Don't go that far. <laughs> Wear your flag been proud. <laughs> and that's our show. Like what you heard? Please be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Got a suggestion? Shoot us a note. QTDcomics at gmail.com. We give you a social media handle, but we're old, and frankly, that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe. 